Good to see you. So uh, it's a big deal to be popular. Uh, that varies to different degrees and different cultures, but overall, perhaps it's exaggerated when we're younger. You know, it's a big deal to be popular, admired, liked, looked up to. Uh, but even as we grow into our adulthood, it kind of lingers. Uh, and what it takes to be popular varies by culture. Maybe younger in school, being on a sports team, being acknowledged academically, uh, depending on where you are, where you lived, uh, maybe having a certain car or home, maybe rural, having a tractor, wow, big new, you know, what it is that would, you would possess or have, traits, possessions that people would, you know, look up to you and uh, it'd be popular. Now, the neighborhood that I grew up in was a little bit different than that. Uh, and that it was this added element, meaning the way people would sort of look up to you, uh, admire, let's just say you'd be popular and they would look up to you and acknowledge you if you would seen as a person who could enact revenge on another person. Meaning in your neighborhood, maybe people would dream of you know, when they were younger, that moment where their name got called over the intercom in school for getting an, an award. Um, or, you know, throwing that, you know, touchdown pass in, in some way that would be like, wow, uh, getting that, you know, top position in a company. And not, that, not, not that none of that existed in my culture and neighborhood, but it, it really in a, a certain sec group and circle of people really a good sector of my culture, what was most admired or what people thought of, I'm on the topic of dreaming and think about, was that moment. You know, that moment where, uh, unlike throwing a touchdown pass or having your name called over an intercom, where you'd be there in public and there would be people who were there present who could hear and see what was going on. And there you were in an interaction with somebody who perhaps had done something wrong uh, or disagreeable to you, someone you cared for, something that you, you know, supported in some way. And in that moment, when you're face to face with them, perhaps they're still somewhat disagreeable. Either way, having already behaved in a certain way, now you're there in front of other people and now there's this confrontation, and at that moment, you look at them and say, you know, it's okay. No problem. All is good. Hey, people are going to disagree. Hey, it's okay. You know what? Come here. Come on. Have a drink. It's on, it's on me. Enjoy your drink. Hang out with your friends. It's all good. And as you said that, the people who were listening, watching, knew that that person was going to get crushed, that in the coming days or weeks, an enormous amount of pain and suffering would come upon that person. And at times, if it was an ultimate moment, <laughs> if it was really acted out entirely to its ultimate, that person would suddenly realize that you are one of them. That the reason why people are looking the way they are and acting the way they are is because you are somebody who will do anything and risk everything for revenge and that it's coming their way. And now they fear for their very existence. Now, here's a, 
Obviously, there's a conflict with that culture and that way of thinking with Christianity, right? <laughs> it's literally revenge is the antithesis to a core part of our faith, which is forgiveness. I mean, revenge is the opposite of forgiveness. Now, today we kick off a new teaching series called Jesus' Kind of Love. It's going to run three weeks, and each week we're going to hit on a certain way that Jesus loves. I think it's so timely for us to just drill down and, and really extract this from God's Word. Today I'm going to talk about forgiveness. I'm going to jump into Luke chapter 23 and verse 32. I'll jump off. I want to give you some background here. It's a background you're familiar with, but it's just so critical and important and beneficial for us to really examine this in a way it, that it's so worthy to be examined. So Jesus, as he says the words that I'm going to read out loud to you, he's fully man, fully God. He's hanging on a cross. His body is broken. His flesh is shredded. And in the midst of all this, we see Jesus extend extraordinary forgiveness. Luke chapter 23, verse 32 says, two of the men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. So the reason why crucifixion was used to execute certain persons was that this was the way they could bring the highest degree of shame and suffering on a human being. And here Jesus is with that happening. In the midst of the beaten and the bloodied and the brokenness. In the midst of people still hurling insults upon him. In the middle of that, he doesn't look at his persecutors, meaning that's not where his focus is. Instead, he turns his focus to God, to his heavenly father. And in verse 34 of Luke chapter 23, Jesus says this. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is one of those moments in Scripture that messes with our minds. It, it goes against every fiber in our being. Some of you, and I say this um, not in a harsh way or a condemning way, some of you won't even allow yourself to seriously entertain this as something that you would adopt. You won't even allow yourself to really absorb the depth of this meaning. And that's what I meant when I said in the beginning, let's really look at this scripture. Let's absorb it. Let's give it its worthwhile attention and examination this morning. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's hard. The question is why? Why are these words recorded in scripture? Why are we hearing them from Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he could have said anything, but he says those words, knowing that we're going to read them, knowing that we're going to hear them. Why? And perhaps my thought is, is that he knew that you and I and almost every other human being would at some time in their life suffer mistreatment, harm, persecution from other people in their lives. Perhaps physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused, abandoned, betrayed, misrepresented, lied to, lied about, betrayed, abandoned. 
neglected all these causes of pain and hurt, he knew that we would encounter such one, the other, maybe all. And, and if I'm right, and this is somewhat you, how have you processed that? How have you worked through that? And, and what I'm telling you is right here. He, he spoke those words, that we could read these words, that we could absorb these words, that we would process all of that pain through these words. Because if we're not deeply absorbing this, deeply embracing it, processing all of that pain through that, then the likelihood is that we're stuck. We're stuck in a place of unforgiveness. We're stuck in a place of mediocre, if you will, something that resembles forgiveness, but, you know, resembles forgiveness like, well, I'm trying to be more tempered with some of the things I say nowadays. I was going to say something. I'm going to pull it back. (laughs) Let's just say it's not a good resemblance to the real thing. How's that? How should we respond to this? We should respond with a Jesus kind of love. What would it look like to do such a thing? What Jesus tells us, he says, pray for those who hurt you. Luke chapter 6, verse 28. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who curse you. That's not what we imagine. That's not how we play it out in our mind, right? You know, when we think of someone who's mistreated us, who's, who's not, who neglected us, hurt us, it, it, that, that's not how we play out, the, you know, our exchanges and directions in our mind with us now blessing that person. It's usually the opposite. We replay it. It revisits us. We, if we actually kept count to some of these things, you might come to the end of a year and realize, man, that, that, that came to me like 5,000 times. 10,000 times. I did it one time. I did. I, I, I started trying to like really pay attention to how many times I was thinking about this offense, this hurt, how often. And, and, and I wasn't like spot on accurate, but I'm like, wow, that, that's just like, it's crazy. But, and we do this with giving a little thought to God's word, little thought to what Jesus said there on the cross. Little thought to what Jesus said there in Luke. Little thought about blessing those who've cursed us and praying for those who mistreat us. We, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, little thought. I mean, we might skirt it like, you know, yeah, God, you know, I, you know, I, I pray, you know, pray, pray that when they're walking through a parking lot, they get run down by a car. I pray for them. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe it's like, well, God, you know, I. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, your God, and I'm just going to put it in your hands. And, you know, I, I mean, if you were to see fit to, like, you know, punish them because of their behavior, to, you know, to show people that that's what happens. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know that. You might not do that, but, you know, you might. And, you know, and then they'd be embarrassed or, you know, yeah. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And, and, and then we see... In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus just keeps, keeps, we see him tossing out these words to his listeners. And again, this is the word of God for our edification, for our benefit, meant for us to hear it today. And he says this, and 
it, it blows their mind. It's got to blow the mind of his listeners. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus says, You have heard it, that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And at that point, they're like, yeah, you know, yeah, we, we, yeah, we've heard that said before. We, we've written poems about it. We've sang songs about it. We teach our kids this. And then, and then Gina, Jesus <laughs> turns around and says, love your neighbor. I'm sorry, love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. They're like, yeah, we like this guy. And then he drops a bomb on him in, in verse 44. And he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And at that point, he blows their mind. They're like, what? I mean, what he's telling them is entirely against their culture, or that they know, or that they believe in. Love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us. I mean, when someone comes against you, you come back against them. When someone flips you off, you flip them off back. When somebody does something that you dislike or that you disagree with or, you, or that's hurtful, you begin in your mind and your heart to find ways to distance yourself from them, to undermine them, to, to fragment relationships. I mean, you know, to protect yourself. And uh, What is this? But, but love them? Pray for them? All right. I mean, maybe... Maybe I gotta I gotta find a way to reconcile this, right? Because I, I mean, you know, because we're we're Jesus people, so so we gotta find a way to do this. I mean, you know, we got the Jesus stuff on our on our refrigerators, on our walls. We got the devotionals, you know, on on our on our night tables. We got all, you know, you know, joying the Lord and 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 and, and this. I mean, we 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 gotta find a way to reconcile this in our heads, right? And, and so what we do is we we just take these words and we kind of we just. We just bury them, you know? We, we're not going to absorb them. We, we've got to find a way to just... Because it's just tense, isn't it? It's stressful for us. It's like spiritual. It's stressing. And so, so don't, we don't really deal with it. We don't try and reconcile that. We just sort of put this to the side. Like, you know, that, that's just like, you know, yeah, you know, that's part of the faith or that's something that's just out there. What I'm telling you is, it's not part of the faith. It's the central core of your faith. I'm going to say it again. It's not just like a part of your faith. It's not just something that's out there that, you know, you can kind of deal with as a Christian and get to someday. I'm telling you, it is the core of your faith. That's why Jesus speaks so much to forgiveness in, in Matthew and the Our Father here in Luke on the cross. Why did he speak those words? Because it is central to our faith in God. And to knowing God. Has someone hurt you, wronged you? Pray for them. As every year I'll mention this as we come up to Thanksgiving and now Christmas is right out there, the likelihood that even now you're going to be incurring uh, meetings with people, relatives, siblings who maybe have dis, you know, just significantly disappointed you, betrayed you, hurt you. And, uh, and are you going to be more in the practice of replaying those hurts and anticipating negative interactions and confrontational interactions with them or maybe just looking a distance from them? Or are you going to be praying for them? Are you going to be looking to see how you could bless them who's cursed you? Now, let's, let's just pause here and let me kind of uh, just, you know, explain to you how that's played out in my life. You got to start today because it, you might have that 
massive surge of inspiration and go right there in an incredible God-ordained way. For me, it was a bit of a process, almost a, a cumbersome, a, a reluctance, but truly wanting to know God more. Because it is about you and God more than it's about you and the person. Remember, it's a core part of your faith in God and him working in you. So this is primarily between you and God. And knowing that and believing that and seeing how this plays out in people's lives. Yeah, I, I, go th- I, I would go through that process. It's not like I map it out, point one, point two, point three, step one, step two, step three. It's just me coming before God like, listen, I, 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 you know, I'm, I, I know I'm not there. Um, but I, and I know I should be there uh, because that's where you are. And just, you know, forgive me and, and help me to, to see this in the way that you want me to. Uh, and to be, help me to be aware of my enemy, Satan, working through this as he's doing in me. And help me to see it, really, and to absorb it in how you want me to, God. And that I would see your hand and you would do a great work in me. And I'd know more of you. And, you know, and then it might be like, you know, it, you know I, I'll struggle with that. And, and then at some point, ultimately, where I want to get to and where I have gotten to is, you know what, God? I believe and I hope that you will bless that person. And I want, and I want to be ready for you to use me to bless them. I mean, I'm not going to run out and just do something really nice for them, you know, just to do it. To, I mean, but, but, but God, if you bring it to me. And there I see that you want to bless them. Let I not, not only not hinder it, but use me to do that. And meaning, God, I'm, I'm willing, I'm wanting, drop it on me. You know, show me the writing on the wall, bring it to me. I'm going to be ready to do it. I find out there's an opening at this company, and I know that's there, what they do. And somehow it comes to me in a peculiar way or whatever, an indirect way, but either way. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bless them. Just an example. And in going through this, when all is said and done, I have found deep fulfillment. I have found more of a wholeness, all because I am turning to God, meaning I am repenting from my way of doing it. <laughs> I am turning to God, taking on his mercy, showered with his love, now fulfilled and satisfied in doing that, and even more so as I see that through. And at times, I actually have been able to, or it's come to where I have blessed those who have mistreated me. And actually, to some degree, it happens often. I'm, you know, meaning those maybe who have, on a lower scale, mistreated me. That happens fairly, you know, it's, a, you know, it's not like once every few years. Those who have deeply mistreated me, as a human being like you, that, that, there's been a, a handful of occasions where God has worked through me, and I have blessed them. And, and, and here's the thing. When you go about it the other way, avoiding it, replaying it, ruminating on all the negativity, then you know what happens? You're never satisfied. You need to understand it right now. You will never be satisfied. Meaning, if you are proven right, that ain't going to satisfy you. If, if you enact any sort of revenge in some way, that's not going to satisfy If they come to a demise, that's not going to satisfy you. 
they could be in the grave. They could, have dis, they could have been dismembered and their body spread across the greater garden area in the grave. And you're still going to be replaying that mistreatment and that hurt over and over and over again. Meaning it's insatiable when you go at it that way. <laughs> Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Words from the cross, words that bring you to a place of deliverance and a place of freedom when you understand how God wants you to know forgiveness and what it means to you. All right. This is a Jesus kind of love, the way I'm speaking to you. It's central to your knowing God's love for you. Pray for those who have hurt you. Jesus also teaches us to forgive as we have been forgiven. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So how do you forgive? You, oh, you forgive as the Lord forgave you. <laughs> you know, this is difficult for many. For me, I, I sometimes wonder if it's less difficult for me. It's a thought. And that's because a significant part of my knowing God and relationship with God is me often being in awe at the extent of his forgiveness for me. And, you know, this has been an ongoing process, but certainly in the beginning and still to this day, but heavy in the beginning, it was obvious that I was in need of an extraordinary amount of forgiveness from God. And, and, and to not only believe that I had it then, but over the years to even realize the depth of, of that and how it keeps pouring into my life and even how I still have it does a lot for me. There are moments where, really, I don't think not one week passes where... I want to have that moment of, uh, you know, like kind of awe, meaning that where I pause could be for 10 seconds, might be for, you know, a few minutes. And no matter everything, just the world seems to stop around me. No financial thinking, no church, no family, nothing, 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 nothing. Everything stops. And I have this incredibly clear, pointed moment where I grasp how God has forgiven me, how much he's forgiven me. And it just really does so much to my inner being, to my heart, to my mind. It's every week, sometimes multiple times. So how do I forgive others the way the Lord has forgiven me? It's a big um, part of what fuels my faith and, and really what fuels my conduct as a believer, even as a minister. That's why I'm here today, because God has forgiven me. Uh, that's why I'm going to heaven, because God has forgiven me. That's why I have the life I have, and I see the world the way I do, because God has forgiven me. That's why the way I, I love the way I love, because God has forgiven me. This is a beautiful Supernatural moment 
for you to grasp the depth of God's forgiveness for you. This is a centrality part of your faith. This is what God intended when Jesus hung on the cross for you to see him and know him in this way that he's my heavenly father and he's forgiven me. That's why the scripture says, come before the throne of mercy and grace with a boldness and a confidence like, yes, yes. God has forgiven me. And the way he forgives me, I can now forgive others. Watch me here. We're going to try and wrap this, and and I'm going to hope you can stay with me. To the extent you know God's forgiveness is to the extent that you're going to forgive others. So what that means, if you're not forgiving others, could it be that you've not really grasped the full extent of God's forgiveness of you? That's how I've seen it, you know, proportioned in my own personal life. And what happens is, often, not really knowing the incredible validity of God forgiving our sins, of what Jesus did on the cross, of what he was saying that day, never absorbing it all because, you know, our own understanding of forgiveness just is so inconsistent with the way we think and the way we would act. What I'm saying is if you don't get all of it, you just might not be getting, you, you don't think you can get some of it. If you're only getting some of it, you really are not getting all of it. And if you're not getting all of it, you're not getting the portion that God would have for you. And I hope that made sense to you. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So here's what happens. We have a choice because of what Jesus did on the cross to turn to him, repent, and receive forgiveness, and be in this incredible place, having received out to now forgive others, and now really disable and disconnect all that perpetuation of what's going on negatively in within ourselves, and be so much more inclined to focus on God and what he's doing. But sometimes instead of having this moment of repentance, as I say, this moment of exhilaration, of, 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 of experiencing God's love and his forgiveness for us, we, we sort of maybe have not a moment, but a continuation of a madness, which is us kind of going before God. Because again, now, you know, we're, we're Christians, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we say we're a Christian. We got the stuff on our walls. The, uh, good, good. We got the, the, you know, the devotions on our night tables, you know, and we, 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 we sing and we talk and... and so we, 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 we can't just do away with that. We don't want to. It's good for us. But what are we going to do with this? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. What are we going to do with Father? They don't know what they do. What, what, what are we going to do with that? And what are we going to and, 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 and what are we going to do with repentance? Because really, that's not something we really jive either. You see, right? Because we're not good with that, <laughs> forgiving others. And, and we're probably really not good with this either. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're not really good at forgiving others, as God called us to, you're probably not very good at really coming to be before God with a true repentance, which is really just turning from your way and coming to him and wholeheartedly receiving his what? His what? His what? His what? His what? His what? His love. His love. His love. God is love, and the way we know God's love more than anything else is his forgiveness of our sins. Bam! More than any other way. God is most loving when he was most forgiving, when his son, his only son, gave his life on the cross. That is the greatest extent of God's love for us. And to the extent that you know God's forgiveness is to the extent that you know God's love. And to the extent that you're going to forgive others. So we have this kind of continuation of a madness where we go before God with this kind of pseudo time of honesty and openness with him. C.S. Lewis really says this well, so much better than I can. He says, the trouble, and I just want to pause. This is not a condemnation. This is not um, harsh or critical. This is like, I I just want to awaken, meaning I I just want to bring you some clarity here. I deeply believe that some of us struggle here with what I'm going to tell you and what goes on. The last part of this, all of this, yes, but this last part, I I just, I I want you to right now just be comforted. I want you to calm. I, I, I want you to try and grasp how I'm going to very kind of imperfectly explain this to you. C.S. Lewis says, the trouble is that what we call asking God's forgiveness very often really consists in asking God to accept our excuses. What leads us into this mistake is the fact that there usually is some amount of excuse some extenuating circumstances, we are so very anxious to point these out to God and to ourselves. And when we do that, we forget the really important thing, and that is the bit left over, the bit which excuses or extenuating circumstances didn't cover, the bit which is inexcusable but not to God unforgivable. And if we forget this, we shall go away, and I want you to hear this, these sentences, If we forget this, we shall go away imagining that we have repented and been forgiven when all that has really happened is that we have satisfied ourselves with our own excuses. This may be very bad excuses, but we are so satisfied within ourselves. There are two remedies for this danger. One is to remember that God knows all the real excuses very much better than we do. If there are real extenuating circumstances, there is no fear that God will overlook them. I think we do that, right? You know, we, we, we begin to kind of think of excuses. God has called us to do this. He's called us not to do that. And, and, and as either if we either are tra- have transgressed, we are thinking of, okay, we're not going to really own that. We're gonna, I'm not going to absorb that. We're not going to go before God and just call out to him and, you know, for, for, for forgiveness, we're going to more lather that up in, you know, reasons why we did that. Like, well, this happened and that happened and they did that or this one did that. Or, you know, hey, look, you know, this was a lot of stress and pressure and we lather that up. Sometimes that not only happens after we've transgressed. Often, if you're like me, that conversation starts before the transgression actually happens, it kind of contributes to the transgression, meaning, you know, I already start acting out the conversation, 
Uh, meaning I start implementing the excuses and the extenuating circumstances that now might allow me to, you know, just in case I were to transgress, this would be why I wouldn't, you know, and God knows it's not like I don't care. I'm just like, I'm going to do what I want. You know, he, he knows I'm kind of wrestling. I'm kind of struggling. But all that said, here are the excuses, the extenuating circumstances that now give me the right to proceed to sin. And then when I do, of course, I can, you know, just have this quick, you know, conversation with God like, hey, yeah, well, you know, that was going on, that was going on, this was going on. Just, yeah, you know, forgive me. I shouldn't do that. I'm not going to do that again. And I'm so sad about it. And then we move on. And C.S. Lewis is saying, wow, you know what happened over there? You really didn't repent. You really didn't have that time of what? Of what? Of knowing God's love of experiencing more of God, of being delivered, of having the freedom. That actually didn't happen. Do you hear that? And, and, and now, you, and here's the thing. Ready? Watch this. Here's what I think is my last. I want to show you this. And because that is not happening, that repentance, you're going to be so much now less inclined to forgive those who've hurt you, Right? much less inclined, let alone to pray for them or to bless them. You can't even forgive them. And if you haven't received God's forgiveness here, as he desired you to, and you don't know his love, you're not able to forgive others the way God has called us to. Well, then we have an unhealthy mindset and understanding of forgiveness. So then where else is it going to harm you? Hear this you will not be able or you'll be very deterred to forgive yourself. And here we go now. You will be haunted with shame. You'll be haunted with guilt. You'll be haunted with self-disappointment. It will be insatiable. You, it, 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 it'll be like trying to climb out of a pit, that's a tube that's out of glass. You'll be running up and slide down. And you slide down. When you're caught up in all of this, you will not forgive yourself. Not only that, you, you, will, you will be unforgiving to yourself. And you'll not reconcile this. But it's not what God have you, right? You see, when you excuse yourself, you're turning to you. When you really repent, you're turning to God. And now I want you to see this as you begin to think of why would you forgive someone? Why would you bless them if they've, you know, if they've cursed you? Pray if they've mistreated you. Here's why. Because you're going to look at that and say, you know what, if I'm not doing that, that means maybe I'm not truly having a time of repentance with God. Because if I am, I felt his love. That's where, I, that's the, that's where I'm going to know God's love more than anything else right here. And that's going to flow out of me that, are you kidding me? I'm going to forgive you. Is God forgiving me? Because I know his love. And by the way, his love is so much greater than anything anyone else could do or has done to me. So I'm ready to work through that process, to bless those who've cursed me, to pray for those who've mistreated me, because I'm coming at it from that place. And because of that, you know, I've jacked things up. I've screwed things up. Or, or I've been a little, you know, this has happened. I wish I could have done more here, but you know what? I, I, I am forgiving myself. Uh, not based on excuses. I'm not making excuses. I'm not looking for excuses. I'm not pointing to extenuating circumstances to just make myself psychologically, you know, feel a little better and, and just make it through to a better place of emotional health. No, 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 no. That's so insufficient and so temporary. 
Now, it is well in my soul because I know. <laughs> you know how I know I'm imperfect? Because of these beautiful times of repentance before God. That's how I know. And, and, and I'm whole because I am so loved by God. Who am I to be loved by God? And so in this now, I can, you know, just feel well in my soul. What does that mean? Well, I, I've forgiven myself. I don't say self, yes, I forgive you. No, it's like I'm just, I'm well in my soul. These things aren't haunting me, taunting me. They're not driving me. I'm not unsettled in my own skin. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not living my life in comparison to others, trying to prove myself, thinking, oh, no, I didn't do good enough. I'm good. It is well in my soul. All right. You see, if we don't forgive ourselves, I'm going to go to C.S. Lewis and we'll try and wrap this up. I could, I could stand up here for three hours, but I won't. I'll only give you another, like, five to ten minutes. C.S. Lewis says this. As far as forgiving ourselves is concerned, he wrote, if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it is almost like setting up, setting up ourselves to a, to, as a higher tribunal than him. Meaning, if, when we don't go through this process and we don't forgive ourselves, well, then it's like we're setting ourselves up higher than God, which is what happens at each point in the process. If we're going to say, you know, we're going to extenuating circumstances, you know, excuses, different things. Okay, so, you know, this is how we're viewing it. This kind of incidental, really mediocre conversation with God. We're really, we're elevating ourselves and not God. How, we, how are we going to handle the person who's hurt us, offended us, mistreated us, abused us? How are we going to handle that? If we, if we handle it from our own place of replaying the hurt, of responding in kind, well, then we're elevating ourselves and not God. And now when it comes to forgiving ourselves, same, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to elevate ourselves and see that through in that way. It's not going to go well. And we're going to, in our eyes and heart and mind, diminish God. But not today, right? Today, you and I, we go to the throne of mercy and grace with a boldness and a confidence where we know we are forgiven, where we know we are rebuilt, where we know we are valued, and where we find the greatest love of all, God's love for us. And from there, we live out our lives. And from there, we begin to forgive. We forgive those we think have done unjust to us. We forgive. We forgive those who've mistreated us. We forgive. And we're ready and prepared for God to use us to bless them to show them his love. We will not be stuck. We will not settle for less. We will press on. This morning, forgive yourself. Turn to God and receive his love. This is your path of healing. And find freedom this morning. And know that in the midst of all this, this understanding of, of forgiveness is the depth of God's love for you. His love for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. God gave his son for you that you would be forgiven and know his love. Today, turn to Jesus. You might have came in here and you didn't, uh, you didn't know Christ. You didn't know Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior. You didn't know and weren't aware of God's love for you. you. You've not even known to turn to God, to ask him for forgiveness. But right now in this moment, somehow, 
It just all seems right to you. And because God, Holy Spirit, is working in you and moving you closer to your Heavenly Father, moving you closer to that place where now you truly know what love is and you're experiencing it to the depth of your being. Now, the, the Scripture tells us in so many words that if you are experiencing this, that you want to turn to God and know him and be reconciled. And the way to do that is by faith in Jesus Christ, that within a conversation within yourself and to your heavenly Father, you would say, God, thank you for giving your son, Jesus, for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for hanging on that cross, for being persecuted. Thank you, Jesus, not only persecuted by them, but even me that I've not honored you, acknowledged you, but now I'm here right now to know you, and I want to follow you, and I want to trust in you, and I want to know more of you. And today I'm giving my life to you, to know you as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, the Bible says that you are saved. The Bible says that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. This is an extraordinary moment for you. Healing is beginning even right now. The heavens rejoice, demons tremble, and healing is taking place in your life and in the lives of those around you. And even those relationships that are broken, fragmented, all only to be used for more pain and a cycle of pain are being interrupted because of the decision you're making right now. Now, if that's you and you've made that decision, to trust in Jesus as your Savior. You've begun a new relationship with him. Take that card on the back. It says, my next step, the connection card Christy referred to, and check off the box that says, I've begun a new relationship with Jesus. Bring it to the next steps table, and they will give you a package. Or whether you're in here or out there online, you're joining us, text chair city, one word to 97000. And a form will pop up. You can, it can be similar to what's on the connection card. Fill it out, complete it enthusiastically, gladly. Send it into us. We will rejoice with you. We will celebrate with you. We will pray for you. And we will send you out a package quickly to get it into your hands. It's got some really uh, meaningful, important information to, to, get, to support what's happening in your life right now. So, Jesus calls us to a higher level, a greater place. He's calling us to live by the Spirit of God that he breathed into us to understand forgiveness as he intended when he said those words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. To have us pray for those who hurt us and forgive others as we have been forgiven by our Heavenly Father. Choose to forgive. It will not change your past, but it will change your future. This is how we share a Jesus kind of love. Father, why don't you stand with me? Father, I'm so grateful for this morning. God, Holy Spirit, I pray right now for each and everyone here, oh God. Lord, you ordained this moment, oh God. 
just when we don't think about it, when we don't expect it, when it's not even on our radar, when we can't even fathom your greatness, you give us a moment like this where we can know your love. We can know the magnitude of your faithfulness. God, Holy Spirit, comfort each person in here right now, oh God. Calm every person in here right now, oh God. We speak against Satan and fear and discouragement and distraction right now, God. May each and every one of us right now just take a hold of your glory upon us now. May we be filled with hope right now. May we be emboldened and encouraged as we picture each one right now reconciling, bringing forgiveness, being whole, as we picture even right now coming before you and just confessing and professing and having open, honest conversations with you, oh God. Right now we're filled with this hope and this great expectation for the future as we anticipate interacting with those who have hurt us or harmed us, oh God. And, and we begin to yield to you knowing that you're going to use us for something greater above all the hurt and all the pain. Right now, God, Holy Spirit, work in us, empower us, heal us in Jesus' name, heal us. Jesus, you, you shed your blood on that cross that we would be healed by it. And right now, I pray a healing over each and every person here, over every wound, over every hurt, over every abuse, over every mistreatment, over every abandonment, over each and every neglect, oh God. We just place it into your hands, oh God, knowing that you will bring beauty from ashes. You will raise us up from that right now and that you will be glorified in all of this as we trust in you, as we turn to you, as we understand what forgiveness is through your eyes, your words, your heart. God, Holy Spirit, stay with them as they leave here today. Stay with them. God, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd continually prompt their mind and, and, and poke their hearts and, and, and bring them to a place of awareness of what you're doing in them, that it will not leave them today, that it will not leave them tonight. They will lay their heads on a pillow and they will be thinking of this in an optimistic way, embracing this truth. They will turn to you and not run away from you. God, you love them. You love them. In Jesus' precious name, amen. To God be the glory. Have a great day.